Hey folks, it's Brian Cook, your host here with a few words from this week's sponsor. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time. You'll get 50% off just about any item. For more than 40 years, Adam and Eve have built a reputation as a trusted and reliable adult product store. Whether male or female, straight or gay, or anywhere in between, they have the adult toys and movies you desire. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free mystery gift. And to top it all off, they'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And with their discreet shipping and commitment to secure 24-hour online shopping, your personal information is always safe with AdamandEve.com. Just use the code FAN at checkout. That's F-A-N at AdamandEve.com. Sex is positive. Shopping for sexual products should be too. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 165 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you found the internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Upcoming shows include July 17th at the Virgil in Los Angeles, August 25th and 26th, I'll be at the High Plains Comedy Festival in Denver, Colorado, doing stand-up as well as competitive erotic fanfiction. Stay tuned for details on that. Today's show was recorded March 20th, 2016 at the Virgil in LA, and this is round one, featuring Kate Willett, Kat Radley, Andrew Michonne, and Stephanie Tolev, reading pieces they wrote in advance based upon topics of their choosing. Enjoy. First round one competitor who's brought a prepared piece, Steph Tolev, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> Thank you. April 16th, 1982, Pierre Trudeau, the 15th Prime Minister of Canada, was off to meet Queen Elizabeth II and took his little boy Justin with him. 14 bright and chiseled. High above the clouds at Boeing 747, Pierre was adding some more points to his Mile High Club membership card by finger-banging an older Eastern European flight attendant with big lips and even bigger labia. While Justin <laughs> stared out the window, daydreaming of his first meeting with the Queen. Even at his young, nubile age, he already had a taste for mature, powerful women. Queen Elizabeth II was only a budding 54 when they met, but she's always looked 86. <laughs> always carried around a neck that looked like her vagina, loose and rich. Pierre and Justin arrived at Buckingham Palace on a damp English day. They pulled up to the front gates and there she was. Two umbrellas over her perfectly curled salt and pepper hair. Tight white gloves enunciating her sharp white finger bones. Red and beige two-piece suit, a brooch with the image of her mother, Queen Elizabeth I, over her left supple, dense breast. Thick, dark pantyhose, leaving little to the imagination. Skirt, almost in her feeble, rounded ankles. Sweet, sweet young Justin was memorized. Mesmerized, sorry, memorized. I can't read. Uh, he'd only seen her on coins and bills. Every one of his $20 bills at some point cleaned up his sweet, sweet boy cum. Pierre walked up first and shook Her Majesty's firm grip, motioning over to Justin, who stood mouth agape by this wondrous creature. Justin approached, trying to hide his heart erection as it pressed up against his navy pleated dress pants, zipper cold yet comforting against a soft, smooth young boy tip. He reached out ner- tip was too much? Okay. <laughs> he reached out nervously and connected with Her Highness. Her yellow, large, queen-sized teeth perked a sideways, sideways smile and said, Oh my, what a lovely, strapping young gentleman. Justin felt a single tear leave his young penis as he replied, I will strap you proud, your grace. <laughs> they locked eyes and the queen felt her royal clitoris twitch in a way she hadn't felt in years. She became, she welcomed them in and they went off and she went off to her powder room to change her silk beige panties that had become soaking wet from what she told her panty servant was the rain. <laughs> 
The rest of their three-day visit, the two of them shared long stares, light footsies during dinner, and close chats in the love seat during tea time, both of them trying to hide their throbbing queen genitals. The queen knew this feeling was wrong. Wink. And she couldn't act any further. The last day of their visit, she leaned in towards him, pressing what felt like six prunes sewn together against his right ear and whispered, one day, Justin, you will be inside me and you will be in power. Justin's eyes widened and he promised her that day would come. January 24th, 2016, the current Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, landed in England to meet the Queen. You know him, right? Justin couldn't contain his arousal. He leapt out of the car at the second he entered the palace gates and sprinted across the mushy grass, spraying mud all over the back of his new khaki pants, not giving a goddamn. The queen, standing under the same two umbrellas, looking like a very sleepy 86-year-old woman, watched a succulent man run towards her, hair flowing like one of her royal sexy ponies. <laughs> Justin, Justin stopped a foot away from her majesty, huffing a sweet maple syrup breath in her face. They knew they had to keep it professional. Justin knelt down on one knee, face only a thick layer of tartan away from her wise old pussy. He couldn't wait to... <laughs> He couldn't wait to bury that face in those British shortbreads. Dry and sweet, his favorite. <laughs> Justin kissed her gloved, heavy hand while never breaking eye contact. The second he rose, she said, you can meet me in the drawing room at half past three to discuss important Canadian and British manners. This felt like the longest 30 minutes of Justin's entire life. He quickly ran to his quarters in excited, nervous panic, his perfect smile not leaving his face, pulsating erection on missing a beat. Three and a half loud chimes echoed down the long corridor. It was time. <laughs> Justin changed into his tightest fitted navy blue suit, commando, letting his giant mushroom tip rest over the top of his pants, oozing just a whisper of hot, sweet cum. As he approached the drawing room, he noticed the door was open ajar. He took a deep breath and slowly pushed it open, now with his fully raging, emerged skin suit. The smell of the firewood filling the room, he saw her shadow crackling in the light, thick, husky, and strong. He got closer and he could hear her very heavily breathing and saw her lying on a bearskin rug with nothing but a crown and a velvet cloak. His pants had already made their way down to his ankles, his willy fully erect, one long vein pumping, uh, pumping his way, sorry, to his perfectly rounded balls, both well over a handful. They reminded her of two fancy throw pillows. His cock, red like the maple leaf in the fall, thick like a can of Coors, and as long as a bottle of HP sauce. Justin straddled her gently and placed his lips under hers, delicately throwing his tongue and tasting her warm breath. Mmm, English breakfast, he said aloud. <laughs> he started kissing her loose... <laughs> it's gonna get worse. He started kissing her loose neck that smelt like every grandmother's powder and felt like a cold bowl of oats. He made his way down to her fun bags. They were drooping on either side of her body like a table runner, nipples the size of a two-pence coin and Justice Copper Brown. He wrapped his mouth around them like he was giving them CPR, sucking the life back into them. He couldn't wait to taste her aged cum and hurried down to the queen's cunt. <laughs> he made eye contact with her gray cataract eyes and said, may I? You may, she replied hastily. The young prime minister buried his face in her welcoming gash, warm and tart, labia thick like a piece of halibut, covered in tartar sauce. Elizabeth, in complete exile, head back, fingers in her mouth, moaning through her stereotypically crooked British teeth. Justin couldn't wait. He needed to be inside her. He slowly crawled across her old, frail body, feeling every nook and cranny. He slowly paced his tent outside her sopping, wet, soggy box, and inch by inch entered the most powerful hoo-hoo in the world. <laughs> he thrust it in and out, not taking his hands off her ancient, wrinkled, soft body. He felt like he was fucking two litters of pugs.
Sweat began trickling off Justin's strong brow under her tired face. The queen squealed and said, Oh, Justin, I'm about to lose fluids. Oh, yes, please, your majesty. Justin began feeling a hemorrhaging amount of juice against his penis, forcing it out, followed by a watery cum wave. Her majesty's escorter. He couldn't have asked for more. It was splashing against his six-ab chest. The image of her in complete ecstasy made him erupt. Holding his hose while spraying it all over the bare skin rub, he wouldn't dare leave his muddled white north jizz in her lumpy, now-dripping body. Both of them now lying on their backs, looking up at the Victorian ceiling tiles, bare fur littered on their moist bodies, smile ear to ear. They both stayed there in silence for over two hours. The queen had nodded on and off, just watching her sporadic breathing, constantly worried she wasn't breathing. <laughs> After she awoke, she lied in his chest, playing with his chest hairs, looked up at him and said, you fuck better than your father. <laughs> Justin stared back, mouth dropped. Before he could reply, she put her finger on his lips and said, I was just yanking your chain. He only fingered my rump and thought it was my front thumb. <laughs> Step tall, Ev. Keep it going for Kate Willett. All right. Ronald Reagan sat alone at the desk of the Oval Office after a long day at work trying to remember what he had done. He was supposed to be running the government, but all he could think about was how cute that little monkey was in bedtime for Bonzo. He hadn't had a very productive day as president, but he rationalized to himself that he preferred a small government anyway. He felt an emotion stir within him that he couldn't quite identify. Was it empathy for the thousands of homosexual men dying? Was it regret for opposing sanctions against apartheid in South Africa? No, it couldn't be either of those things. It was lust. <laughs> Even presidents get a little randy. He heard a knock at the door, and before he got up to answer it, Nancy sauntered in in a devastatingly hot, matronly ensemble that reminded him of his own mother. The mere sight of her caused his cock to stir within his pants. She looked at him, her eyes failing, but full of lust. He made come-hither eyes and gestured towards her. She crept behind him, massaging his shoulders as she sat down a glass of water in his darvacet. Take this, Ronnie. What is this for again, he asked. Just take it, Ronnie. Nancy, he said, I think I've been having an affair. R Ronnie, have you been a bad boy? Yes, I've been having an affair, an Iran-Contra affair. <laughs> Uh-huh, she whispered. You shouldn't have traded those hostages for guns, Ronnie. You're gonna need to be punished. She leaned over and kissed his lips. Her breath tasted sweet, like a Werther's original. Nancy had always liked bad boys. You know the type, the ones that smoked, that drank, that illegally supplied weapons to dictators. Her parents all, always told her she should stay away from the guys who overthrew democratically elected governments in favor of dictatorships that killed civilians. But the mere thought of it made her tingle with excitement. Bend over the desk, she said. He put his hands over the desk and stuck his ass out as she smacked it. He hadn't been this horny since the Great Depression. <laughs> with each slap of his ass, his cock got harder. I can't take this anymore, he finally pleaded. She grabbed his ass and turned him around, seating him on the desk. The Oval Office looked so beautiful with her new decorations. <laughs> she undid his belt and got on her knees and pulled his hard presidential cock out of his pants. 
She took him into her mouth, getting her mauve lipstick all over his cock, and she sucked him hard. Her mascara dripped sensuously down her cheeks as she thought, as she thought to herself that after their lovemaking, she would have to return to the first lady suite to put on her face. He didn't want to finish just yet, so he tried to think of topics that kept him from coming, like social justice and universal health care. He groaned. Nancy Reagan, he said, tear down that dress. <laughs> she felt the excitement rise within her. Even though she was more of a top, she loved being treated like a dirty little girl. She wanted him to disrespect her like fundamental human rights. <laughs> Just say yes, Ronald. Dare to make love to me. They tore off each other's clothes. He undid her bra and her breast burst free. She pulled down her girdle. It felt good. Her undergarments were as restrictive as the military regimes her husband supported. <laughs> oh, Nancy, we're gonna wage a full-on war on horniness. He could tell from her hungry eyes that this was going to be less of a cold war and much more of a hot war. He slid his hard cock inside of her. In truth, they had done this many times before, but the Alzheimer's made everything fresh and new again. <laughs> me, Ronnie. Fuck me like you fucked labor unions, homosexuals, and black people. Oh, Nancy, he said, I'm gonna fuck you harder than I fucked the working poor. That was going to be so hard she might not ever recover. He pulled her hips towards him, thrusting inside. She whispered in his ear, I have a surprise for you, something you've always wanted. What could it be? Just then, the door burst open, standing there, shirtless, dripping with sweat, down his ripped abdominal muscles, was a young, sexy man named Saddam Hussein. <laughs> his beard was masculine and his arms were strong. Ronald immediately recognized him from all the weapons he had sold him. <laughs> he had Ronald had always wanted to have a threesome, but had always regarded it as too much like communism. <laughs> It was time to let his shame go. Ronald looked shyly at Nancy and said, okay, I want this. Saddam entered the Oval Office and unzipped his pants. He bent down towards Reagan. Do you want me to Saddominate you? He whispered in his ear. Yes, baby. Reagan could barely form the words in the midst of his excitement so badly. Get on your knees, Saddam said. And Ronald did it obediently. Are you going to give me more weapons like a good boy? Saddam whispered while brushing his cock against Ronald's lips. Anything you want. Anything, Ronald whispered. Nancy watched in excitement, furiously running her index finger up and down her rock-hard clit. <laughs> I've known you wanted this ever since Donald's Rumsfeld told me that you thought I was cute, Saddam whispered. <laughs> he had a beautiful and cruel mouth. So bad, baby. But Ronald had to stop talking as he furiously sucked Saddam's cock. Nancy moved behind Ronald, kissing him on the back of his neck and gently fingering his tight asshole. Her mouth, her mouth moved down his back until she spread his presidential ass cheeks and began to run her tongue along his ass while fingering herself to orgasm. Part of Nancy resented having to do all the work herself, and she wished she cared more about her female body, but then she remembered she married a Republican. <laughs> 
finally, Ronald groaned and ejaculated, which pushed the dom over the edge as well. He came in Ronald's mouth, and as the cum dripped down Ronald's chin, he thought to himself how much he loved trickle-down theory. Okay, <laughs> will it? Here we go for Andrew Michonne. Mark stood at the precipice of his green room, pausing for a moment of reflection before entering the sacred stillness of his onset sanctuary. He had simultaneously fulfilled and crushed so many American dreams that day, and he was buzzing off the reverberations of his own power and wealth. As he sat on the red velvet couch that flanked his wall, he said out loud to no one but himself, damn, this couch feels good. After all, he was Mark Cuban, the outspoken owner of the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> So speaking his mind was a thing he was all too familiar with. <laughs> the pageantry of that day's taping of Shark Tank had just ended. Mark had invested $50,000 in a mother and son t-shirt company. He knew any idiot could create a successful t-shirt business. He wasn't investing in the product. He was investing in the family. <laughs> as soon as she stepped out onto the Shark Tank floor, Mark could see the mom had a mouth that could suck a horse. <laughs> but even more impressive was the kid. His butt was tight and round in a way that most 10-year-old butts are. And Mark now owned 10% of that boy's butt. And in a few years, when he turned old enough to give consent, Mark would gladly own the other 90%. Because 90% and 10% added together equals 100%. Which is the exact amount of ass that Mark was used to getting when he wanted it, how he wanted it, naked, pink, and covered in his own rich cut. A knock at the door interrupted his train. And a five-foot-three blonde vixen entered his private quarters. This was Lori Grenier, the so-called queen of QVC. They had gone in on the mom and tight-ass son t-shirt business together, and she was here to settle the property rights. Listen here, Mark, she coldly spewed from a wretched ma. We both know those t-shirts were awful. What are you interested in, the kid or the mom? Well, to be honest, Lori, I'm interested in both. I'll fuck the mom. Of course I will but I'm really just biding my time until the boy turns 15 and I can take him to Kentucky, the state, the state with the lowest, lowest age of consent law in the US. I actually did look that up to figure out like which state had the lowest consent age of consent law. And, like I went down like a very deep internet dark wormhole and like I think my laptop is illegal now. <laughs> so yeah, I wanna take him to Kentucky, the state where I can have sex with him the soonest. I'll also invite that 12 year old black kid from season five who makes his own bow ties. Is anyone here? Okay. <laughs> I've got a proposition for you, Mark, Lori sickly muttered. If I can make you come in 60 seconds, the boy is mine, no questions asked. Ha, yeah, right, Lori. There's no way you can. Before he could finish his thought, Lori quickly pulled out her phone and hit the timer. She ripped Mark's gray slacks off and straddled him uh, with her wealthy golden waist, inserting his billionaire penis into her billionaire vagina. When billionaires fuck other billionaires, it's not like how poor people have sex. <laughs> The confidence and power emanating from both sides is so high, the sexual energy reaches another level. Mark was trying hard to re resist the urge to explode, but Lori truly was the queen of QVC. Quality vaginal clenching. <laughs> but 40 seconds had passed and his money juice, what he called his semen, was still sealed up tight. But then Lori started in with a dirty talk. 
Mark, you did a great job today on Shark Tank, the show where entrepreneurs seek an investment to start, grow, or save their businesses. If the sharks hear a great deal, they'll invest their mo own money and fight each other for a deal. At 55 seconds, Mark busted his coin purse all over the inside of Lori's feminine bank. That's not fair, said Mark. You know nothing makes me come like you describing the format of the reality television show we both star in. Sorry, but I made you burst, and that was the deal. Looks like that little t-shirt set is mine. I'm gonna go start stretching my puss now, so that when he's old enough in six years, it'll fit him like a glove. Kentucky, here I come. Bye, Mark. Thanks for the fuck, you maverick, you. Mark was again alone with his thoughts. Was this really the life he wanted to live? Spending large sums of money on unsustainable businesses just for the chance at having sex with young boys when they eventually got old enough to accept the power of his billionaire pe His thoughts are, was just dropping in again. <laughs> by another shark entering the room. Mark knew who it was even before he began to swell the acrid stench spewing from his new guest's every pore. It was Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful. Mark, it's time for a post-show suck and guzzle. <laughs> you agree to swallow my billionaire sperm every day in perpetuity, so here we are. You, take on, you ready to take on a 12-inch steak in my rock-hard dick? 12 inches, ha, huh? Mark thought to himself. Nothing more unbalanced than the unchecked ego of a billionaire with a micro-penis. <laughs> Kevin was lucky if he was 12 centimeters fully erect. Mark clinically and routinely undid Kevin's pants and accepted the billionaire's micro-penis into his billionaire mouth. He started thinking about his beloved sports team, the Dallas Mavericks, winning the Super Bowl, and that made him salivate. He knew the Mavericks played basketball and had no chance of winning a football championship. <laughs> but the 1% don't understand the word no. <laughs> As Kevin thrust his billionaire penis back and forth in Mark's now sopping and fetid billionaire mouth, he narrated the process. It feels good in there, and for those reasons, I'm in. But I don't want to come yet, and for those reasons, I'm out. And for those reasons, I'm in. And for those reasons, I'm out. <laughs> That's a sharp take, fans. All right. <laughs> Kevin's tiny, rich penis sneezed an obscene amount of cum in Mark's wealthy mouth. He swallowed half of it and spit the other half out, grabbing one of the demo t-shirts of the company he now partly owned to wipe it up. As they lay there on the couch, Kevin began to reminisce. Remember that one time Ashton Kutcher came on the show and we all played Dude, Where's My Dick? That was fun. Mark didn't respond and Kevin took this as a sign. He put his clothes back on. Well, Mark, as always, it was Mr. Wonderful to see you. Goodbye, Kevin, Mark coldly responded as his guest left the room. Mark was there, all alone in his billionaire, all alone, his billionaire testicles empty of their own cum, his billionaire stomach swimming with someone else's. Mark thought about what he would say when he saw his wife and kids that evening. How was work, honey? Work was fine, sweetheart. We changed some lives today. At least he wouldn't have to explain to them why he reeked of billionaire semen and regret. They stopped asking those, they stopped asking those questions five seasons ago. Thank you. Andrew Michelle. And keep it going for your final round one competitor, Kat Radley. This piece is titled, Bill Pullman, Today is Our Independence Day. <laughs> Bill Pullman walked into a Beverly Hills Starbucks on a break from rehearsing his upcoming one-man show, President Whitmore, Alien Fucker. It was due to open on a small stage in the back of a Buffalo Wild Wings in the Lakewood Shopping Center. Bill is a god in Lakewood. 
Tickets are $20, but the first 25 people get a free order of fried pickles. The room has seats for 26 people. This was Bill's idea. Bill stood in line at that Starbucks as if he owned the place, which he didn't. He did buy some stock once after his 2011 blockbuster bringing up Bobby. He did not play Bobby. Bill still had his swagger and charm, though. He somehow managed to be the sexiest unsexy man in every room he walked into. There was a certain simmering blandness just below his Caucasian surface. One thing was for certain, Bill Pullman was average. The woman behind him in line tapped his shoulder. Bill turned to see an attractive but slightly older woman. Not older than him, but older than a woman with a chance at banging a famous actor. She was only 54, but in Hollywood, she might as well have been 105. Or even worse, fat. She recognized him. Bill, we worked together on the Equalizer a few years ago. You fingered me in your trailer? Bill Pullman stared blankly. She elaborated. Your thin, bony fingers went into my vagina like a pencil falling into a well. You never actually found my clitoris, and since I have red hair, you asked me if the beef curtains matched the drapes. I'm sure you remember me. Bill smiled. Nope. <laughs> then turned to order his Starbucks coffee. Melissa Leo walked sadly out of the Starbucks. <laughs> Bill Pullman always orders his coffee the way he defines himself as an actor. Plain. <laughs> Bill left the crowded Starbucks to go back to rehearsing his one-man show. As he made his way through the crowd, he yanked strange women's breasts and pulled men's dongs on his way to the door. It's good to be the Pullman, he said to himself. The people he accosted were left wondering, who is that man? I feel like I know him from somewhere, but I can't put my finger on it. Was that Bill Paxton? The next day, as Bill was performing the, the final scene of his one-man show, which ended with Bill Pullman finally impregnating the alien queen, as played by a cardboard cutout of Rosie O'Donnell, Bill Pullman delivered his last line, dressed in his final costume, a giant sperm. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. He then pantomimed the sperm wiggling through the alien queen vagina. He heard a slow clap from the back of the room. Bill peered into the darkness to see Tom Hanks emerge from behind a shelf of ketchup bottles. Tom Hanks, what are you doing here? I heard you were doing a show, so I wanted to come check it out. Is this your final rehearsal? No, idiot. Opening night. There was no one in the theater. <laughs> Listen, Bill, I got a movie idea I wanted to pitch to you. What if I play a handsome, debonair leading man? You play a secondary role of an ambiguously good-looking guy with either severe allergies and or a war injury. <laughs> and your wife spends the majority of the film falling in love with me. <laughs> nice try, Tom Hanks. I'm not falling for that trick a third time. <laughs> Tell me why you're really here. How about I show you, said Tom. He moved toward Bill and pulled him in close. I've wanted you all along. Not your woman, not Meg Ryan, not Gina Davis, not Daphne Zaniga. You weren't in Spaceballs with me. 
I was in the Dot Matrix costume. You just never knew it. I fell in love with your all-American, easily forgettable face from the start. They kissed. Bill had a very strict rule. The only woman he ever kissed with tongue was Ellen DeGeneres. Bill hasn't French kissed a woman in 20 years, not since they shot Mr. Wrong. Ironically, that was also the last time Ellen French kissed a man. Since Tom Hanks was indeed a man, Bill slipped uh, him slipped him the tongue. I brought you something. Bill handed Tom handed Bill what looked like an old newspaper. It's that fake article you wrote in Newsies. I bought it in an auction of things Christian Bale has sweated on. I thought you might want to read it. How did you know that reading is my number one turn on? Bill whispered into Tom's ear. Or maybe he yelled, you never can tell with Bill Pullman. <laughs> what can I say, I'm a kinky freak. Tom reached his hand into the open crotch flap in Bill's sperm costume. Bill let out a yelp. Tom couldn't tell by his face whether he was excited or upset. Bill's fa facial expression never changed. It could have been his son's first birthday or his mother's funeral. He kept that same stare. Tom reached down his pants and he couldn't believe what he felt. Rather than a rock hard penis, there was a large, smooth surface of nothing, identical to the crotch of a Ken doll. Bill Pullman had Ken doll crotch. Give it a pull, man, Bill said, smiling. Tom wasn't sure what there was to pull, so he rubbed the spot as he imagined Barbie would have with her four fingers fused together and thumb sticking out. I can't believe you started without me. They both turned to see a naked Rosie O'Donnell standing behind them, eating a pork chop with her bare hands. It was hard to tell where the pork chop ended and her labia began. I thought that cardboard cutout felt a little thick, thought Bill. Finally, it felt right. Bill and Tom had never done anything together without Rosie there. Rosie did not join in the sexual escapade, but did what she did best, stand in the background making wisecracks. Tom began licking Bill Pullman's crotch, a.k.a. his Alan Rickman dogma dick. Rest in peace. Rosie chimed in. Hey, Bill, how come you're dressed as Casper the Friendly Ghost? I'm a sperm, Bill yelled. Tom now vigorously rubbed Bill's Marilyn Manson dope show sack until finally it erupted. Bill Pullman once said he would not go quietly into the night. And guess what? He did not come quietly into the night either. As he came, Tom felt the warm, wet jizz squirt over his fingers. He was not sure where it came from, seeing as how he had no dick, therefore no dick hole. Bill Pullman saw the confusion on Tom's face, so he winked at him and whispered, or yelled, belly button. <laughs> Having been satisfied, Bill started to leave. Wait, what about me, Tom said. Tom pulled down his own pants to reveal his massive cock, which sparkled red, white, and blue. <laughs> I've always imagined your pale, thin lips around my little Oscar. Bill laughed. Oh, Tom, don't you know? I've already sucked your dick so many times. But, but when? I don't remember that ever happening. Because, Bill said, I did it while you were sleeping. <laughs> well, what about me? Rosie bellowed from the background. She was now eating a bowl of macaroni and cheese with her fists. <laughs> I don't feel full. I mean, I feel unfulfilled. Sorry, Rosie, said Bill. I never leave anyone satisfied. I'm just the pull man. <laughs> then Bill went quietly into that good night. Cat Radley.
Uh, let's get all the round one competitors back to the stage. Give it up for your round one competitors. Come on, you can do better than that. All right, in a moment, you're gonna be voting with your applause on your favorite. First, I'm just gonna remind you of what everybody read. We started with Steph Tolev with Prime Minister Trudeau, then Kate Willett, hold on, hold on. Then Kate Willett with Ronald Reagan, Andrew Michonne with Shark Tank, and finally, Kat Radley with Bill Pullman. So, pick a favorite with your applause, starting with Steph Tolev, Prime Minister Trudeau. Kate Willett, Ronald Reagan. Andrew Michonne, Shark Tank. And Kat Radley, Bill Pullman. New round one champion, Steph Tolev. Better hear it. Big round of applause for all of your round one competitors. That does it for round one. To hear round two, you can download episode 166 next week. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. For details on upcoming shows, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian Cooking or the show at CE Fanfic. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com.